0: This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.
1: What's up, everybody? I'm Toby Morrell from the Bad Christian Podcast, and I wanted to let you all know about the brand new Jabberjaw media block on Adobe Radio. Tune in every Thursday night from 5 to 8 p.m. to hear brand new episodes from the Modern Vinyl Podcast, as well as new episodes from one of my very favorite shows, Break It Down with Matt Carter. All you have to do is head
2: to adobe.com, that's I-D-O-B-I dot com, and tune in every Thursday night from 5 to 8 p.m. to hear some of your favorite Jabberjaw media
1: podcasts on Adobe Radio. Welcome to episode 62 of the Washed Up Emo podcast. I am Tom Mullen from WatchedUpEmo.com. I can't believe it. We're at 62. I don't know. I never thought it would get this far, but we did. Uh, this episode, we welcome Bernie McGinn. Who is Bernie McGinn, you might ask? Well, Bernie started Caulfield Records back in 1988 to release the band Sideshow. And after that, Caulfield Records went on to release music by Mercy Rule, Christy Frontier Ive, Mineral, Giant's Chair, Broken Hearts Are Blue, Opium Taylor, Germbox and many more. The true forefather of the scene, definitely need to check it out. So I hope you enjoy. And don't forget, I listen to every single comment, suggestion, complaint that's sent into to and I do respond. So thank you for everyone that does that. Enjoy. Welcome to the Emo podcast. Today, we welcome Bernie McGinn, who you might know, and if you don't, you need to stop the podcast and listen to the discography and then come back. All right. You're back. Fantastic. From Caulfield Records. Bernie, thank you for being here.
2: Glad to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: <laughs> so started the label in 1998. And I'm just going to list off some of the bands for people to sort of dive into. Uh, actually,
2: correction. It 1988.
1: wasn't 1988. What did I say? 1998? You said nine, 98. Yeah. You know what? That's just because I'm stuck in the 90s. That's, that's the problem. <laughs> So it's, it's 1988. I'm so used to saying '98, yeah. 1988. Um, uh, Mercy Rule, Christie Front Drive, Mineral, Giant's Chair, Opium Taylor, Germbox. These are all fantastic, fantastic records. Um, and I know that there's been interviews and stuff with you and you sort of talked about. it just sort of happened. Um, I would love the, you know audio version. like what was that sort of feeling that you said, "Wait a minute?" all these amazing bands are around. I need to do this on my own. And especially in 1988, it's a little bit different than doing it in 2008 or 2018, whatever that, you know.
2: (laughs) Right. That's not not too far off, is it? Um, Right. So I guess it really all starts out for for Caulfield Records. I mean, the seeds of Caulfield Records were the the independent music scene in Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, And, the, from in the, in the early eighties had an amazing, uh, underground music scene. Uh, and, and I kind of grew up in the, uh, hardcore skateboard, like punk shows at the, at the warehouse scene. That's where I was, uh, reared. Um, and I was in various bands, uh, uh, in the mid eighties, uh, and one one band, it was called Peer Puppet. We were like kind of like at one point like DRI, right? Like mm-hmm. Paddle Thrash type band. Anyway, we sort of uh, through a, a various incarnations uh, matured, and uh, it was it ended up being 1988. The spring, I was a senior in high school. Uh, I conned my mom into cosigning me alone so that I could put out a seven inch. <laughs> <laughs> so what did, we, I what did you tell her no she knew what she was getting into i was like hey mom i need 500 bucks so that i can put out my band's record <laughs> you know the, the subtext was hey we sent out our, our tape to other people and nobody cares so you know it's, you're on your own do it yourself mm-hmm. which is was fine of course um so the the first record was released it was actually recorded and pressed for um, the band that was named Peer Puppet. But then we decided to kind of jettison our paddle thrash-like history and renamed ourselves, uh, while the record was at the re- uh, pressing plant, um, Sideshow. So the first record was my band, Sideshow. And uh, the records came back, and we, we took a Sharpie, and we marked out Peer Puppet, and we had a rubber stamp, and we stamped Sideshow. And uh, Xeroxed 500 covers and got them out into the world. And for all intents and purposes, like that was that was that was it. Caulfield Records was was done after that release because uh, I graduated from high school, and then that fall I moved away. I moved to Los Angeles to uh, work on a skateboard magazine as a photographer. Really? Oh, that's awesome. There was a, a, a magazine. I don't know. Um, the magazine was called Homeboy magazine. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if you remember um, Dirt yes. magazine, which was the uh, male companion to Sassy. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so it was uh, Mark Loom and Andy Jenkins and Spike Jones. Um, they Before Dirt, it was the proto-Dirt. <laughs> I, had, I had met those dudes Um through making skateboard zines, fanzines and Xerox art and stuff. So after I graduated from high school, I was just like, Hey, I, I want to go do skateboard photography. Let's, let's do this. And they hired me on and I worked out there for like eight months or something like that. And then the magazine folded and then I was back in Lincoln and then I fired up the band again and, Wait, so
1: you, were, so you graduated high school and just went straight to work in Los Angeles and your parents were not like, you need to go to school or was it because you had a job that they were fine with it?
2: Uh, I, I must have sweet talked him some, something fierce. I, 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 don't, I don't know how I, I talked him into it because it wasn't a done deal until October that fall. I was just like, hey, parents, uh, I'm, not, I'm not going to school right out of high school. And they they rolled with it. I said, "There's an opportunity. I could do this gate zine thing." And uh, to Los Angeles, so, too, yeah, they,
1: the second biggest city wasn't like <laughs> it wasn't like you were going across town and you'd be home for dinner. No.
2: Yeah, it was it was a, it was a big leap, but it was uh, it was really cool. Um, great opportunity, and I was just bringing it back to the label, you know sideshow played a, a farewell show like man, that october and like caulfield records was at that point just that one release and it was nothing nothing's going to happen any after that so
1: and then you came back home and fired up the band again then you started to realize that there were more bands that you could put out and this could be yeah kind of yeah. Thing.
2: It, it, yeah exactly um we put out um sideshow recorded a Uh, Eight-song, 12-inch record, Um, went on tour, I guess that was 1990, summer 1990, I want to say. That sounds right. Or maybe it's 91. Anyways, I think it was the summer of 1990 when we went on an East Coast tour. Um, And that's really when we started meeting bands. We would play in Lawrence, Kansas a lot. We'd play in in, uh, Kansas City a lot. Um, uh, That's where we met the guys in Giant's Chair uh, and, and Germbox. Of course, um, and yeah, just through touring, started meeting lots of other bands. I ended up being the you know the guy with the the record label, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, um, it just it just kept on happening. So you know, uh, I think Germbox was the first non sideshow band. Um, did a seven inch with them. And uh, met uh, the guys in Molly Maguire, a Kansas City band. Uh, put out a seven inch with them. My uh, sideshow, Mercy Rule, Germbox, Molly Maguire were on a, a seven inch comp single, and it all just started happening from there.
1: What What were those sort of moments that? You know, where Where were you learning this stuff? Because again, right now, you know you you have music. It's five. You and I can make a song right now and put it up on Bandcamp. What were those yeah. things that you went through? Was it maximum rock and roll? Was it, was it asking another person through mail? like this, It wasn't fast. You, I mean, there were, right. a problem came up and you solved it by doing something physical or, or making those connections. What were some of those moments, I think, for maybe those first few records? I'd love to kind of hear that sort of thought process. Oh, shit, we don't know how to do this x
2: <laughs> uh yeah exactly like with the with the first record it was like okay great we've got 507 inches what what now <laughs> um at the at the time i was working at a record uh record store in in lincoln and lincoln always had this great history of amazing uh record shops um and basically i just asked the record buyer to talk to his distributors and see if you know they'd Take on fifty or a hundred seven inches or, or whatever. And uh, so lots of credit to my friends in the, at the local record shops for twisting some arms or you know, uh, uh, on the on the record distribution side. So it it actually wasn't too hard getting rid of those seven inches with, with that connection. And the um, and, and the bands yeah. were
1: touring. For
2: the uh, most part. Yeah. Um, the, well, n- not really. I, I, well, yeah, Germbox toured. Um, Mercy Rule was touring a lot. What um, other promo were yep. you
1: guys doing? Was there? Was there? There wasn't a publicist. You weren't doing a radio mailing,
2: right? It, it was it was zines, really. You know, I'd thumb through Maximum Rock and Roll and, and look at zine reviews, and it's like, okay, these bands line up. Uh, I'll send records out for review. It was it was super slow, super manual. Like I got to know the. Uh, the people at the post office really well. <laughs> <laughs> what? Always dropping off big boxes of, of stuff to go out. So
1: what about maximum rock and roll to you? I mean I have I don't think I've had a podcast where someone hasn't mentioned that, especially from a certain age. Um, uh-huh. what would the, what would be the equivalent today? Would it be Google? I mean <laughs> it's like everybody Man, it everybody was, used it, was, it.
2: It was the, the Bible. It was just so important. There was there was just nothing else. Um, if you're talking, you know, 1983 to you know 1990, really, you know, there was there was maximum rock and roll. There was, uh, oh shoot, who you know, alternative press was was around and some some like quote unquote bigger magazines where you know you never had a chance to get your record reviewed in it, but. In any case, just making those connections through the, the record reviews, other, you know, finding other like record labels or, or fanzines that would review your stuff. Or the, uh, what was the, the book, the Book Your Own Fucking Life yep. magazine? It was like, that, that's, that's how we booked our first tour. It's like, oh, you know, we're going to be in West Virginia. I'll call this number <laughs> and see what happens. So it was it was totally trial and error and it was it was slow but there's something kinda awesome about about that too. It was just you're you're committed, you know, you, you couldn't you couldn't Google up the uh Yelp reviews of this club and find out that, you know, they <laughs> really sucked. That's right? Totally right.
1: The guy's so, a fucking stiff, you know? <laughs> like he'll totally, totally screw you. <laughs>
2: No. So yeah, you just found out for yourself the hard and, way.
1: And then meeting, meeting these bands, meeting, connecting with them, you know, it's, co- it's sort of like a drummer, you know, they're looking for a label. What were some of those, you know, was it handshake deals that, hey, well, you have a couple songs, send with me? Were you, were you offering, uh, you know, hey, we'll send it to some college radio stations? Or were, were, were you offering that, you know, we have distro? Was that sort of your calling card?
2: um i guess the the thing that that Caulfield offered is was you know by by a certain point i could get the records distri- uh, distributed um had good relationships with um, uh dutch east india and tci and cargo and etc mm-hmm. uh and so so that was good um i had started working uh you know getting Records regularly reviewed in small and 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 medium sized fanzines. Um, did some radio, you know. Just I, I had, sit, you know, through the same channels. You know, here's a here's the name of the college radio programmer who does the punk show, and just ship shipped out records. You know, just got the word out. And so the yeah, they they're totally handshake deals. Um. Just trying to help out other bands. Yeah. I think
1: I think that's how I got the Triluma record in '97. I think it was college oh, radio. Yeah? It was like a Sunday service from AAM,
2: maybe. Yep, absolutely. Yep, that's Whoa. who we used. Wow, there you go. By by that, by that time. yep. <laughs> wow, that
1: was like that was deep in the recesses of my brain. <laughs> uh, nice with um. W- Were there were there things that you looked for? I mean, coming up from your if it was like, you know, the hardcore, you know, punk side, what were things that connected you with if it was Christy Front Drive or Giants Chair Ethel Mazerve, like what 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 things when you saw them for the first time, what were some of those moments that you were like, Holy crap, I have to put this out or people need to hear this?
2: Yeah. Um I I don't know. I think we all get that, that have that experience of like, whoa, this is new. Like that, that's what really drove me. I think in terms of being super excited about a band and wanting to spend a lot of time and money on it um, was this, this is something I hadn't heard before, you know, just it's this indescribable quality. Like, I'd never seen somebody play drums like Paul from Giant's chair was, and and just the way those guys gelled together and occasionally just self-destructed <laughs> uh, so or 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 just or like for Christy Front Drive, the, just I had never I, I remember throwing that record on the the 12 inch because I had a mail order along with. Caulfield I did on the side and I was just like I've never heard this before this is awesome and so that's what got me really excited about music um, and, and and I think the the diversity of of the, the independent music scene in Lincoln like when I was really young I think maybe that, that influenced that uh, kind of quest for something new you know not wanting to stay in a certain groove, you know, it's not like, Hey, you know, people like giant's chair, let's put out another band like giant's chair. Mm -hmm. It was, it was, let's, let's do something new. And, and so what, what I hope in, and just is that when people actually go have a chance to go back and explore a lot of those bands, um, that they'll, they'll, they may recognize this thread that, um, These are all great bands. Most of them don't sound like each other at all, but hopefully there's, there's some quality there that, that shows that they're special.
1: And what, what about mineral? What, what about that one connected with you or when you, when you, when you did that
2: seven inch? Um, yeah. So I learned about mineral from Carrie McDonald from Christie front drive. He had originally put out that Gloria parking lot, seven inch on, um, audio concept label or and then he decided that he didn't want to do a record label anymore And was like <laughs> this is great let me i'll like I'll, I'll let me do the second pressing and uh talk with the mineral guys and and they were just outstanding just like uh, yeah just a an outstanding band um and so you know and they would come through lincoln on occasion and and they were amazing live. I think that's the other thing is that like, a, a, the, seeing the band live, they like they just—that's what—that's what kills me. That's what—that's what's great. Yeah, I think. And ho- hopefully, the the recording somewhere gets in the ballpark. And so, and sometimes the recordings do, but it was usually always a live feel that just won me over and just made me a uber fan.
1: I think too, when you mentioned about. Listening, w- listening to the entire discography and 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 seeing a thread and seeing that, you know, at that time period and probably even before, I mean, there were labels that had the punk band and they had the hardcore band or they had the indie band and they all seemed to either communicate with each other, play shows, or be, somewhat feel together. And you felt that, like if if I got a Caulfield record, I could I have I had an idea of what it was going to be like if I got a you know, a revelation record, I could kind of know what it was going to be like. Um, Not necessarily sound, but sort of that feeling. And I think that was really important. And I think sometimes is a little bit lost today when you just want the same thing all the time. And it seemed like you got better music or you got better, uh, not necessarily like a challenge between everybody, but there was more of a, uh, everyone's doing something different. So you never felt that you, we're just another no effects band on that label. If that makes sense.
2: Right. I think that, that analogy makes a, a lot of sense. Um, and I think that, that was the, the, the challenge, you know, as, uh, running, a, running a record label, you're, you're a curator, right? You're, and you're, you're putting your stamp of approval on, on a, on a artwork and you're, so yeah, I I think that that's absolutely the challenge and and for me it was just fi- continuing to find something new, something that pushes the envelope. Um for me like a band like Opium Taylor totally pushed the envelope. Um that record Fade Machine, Fade Magazine is is one of my favorites and it's it's just it's like Midwest art punk kind of weird. It's like can't even describe it, but uh Hopefully, some listeners will be able to like it out.
1: Um, I was just going to ask about the Midwest. And I grew up on the East Coast. I grew up in a small town. Um, I feel like that's where I kind of got some of my DIY. Like, I didn't know what an arena show was. I didn't know what that was. I just I I only knew hardcore bands just because those are the only bands that came through. And maybe there's some similarities to the Midwest. But you guys are also away from... You know those two coasts and the cities and it's gotten such a name, the midwest sound um do you ever think about that? Have you thought about why there's such a strong connection to that is it because it's so far away what What are some thoughts sort of about the area and then also the sound
2: i think a you know and especially in the the eighties and early nineties, you know just the fact that we weren't so hyper-connected, you know, you just, you, the band went in the basement and you just like honed your skill, you know, you, you, you've worked on your art. And I think for, oh, that's what I think, While I, while people may say, you know, there's a Midwest sound, I think, I think in a way there's like a, quality i guess i don't think i don't think of it so much a a sound but you know you what i hear is you know a a group of people who spent a lot of time together in the basement working really hard and uh and they've they've come up with something you know really good in, in in the in the best cases there's and and then also the fact that you had to drive like six or eight hours to get to anywhere. Exactly. It wasn't <laughs> it play, wasn't two to hours. Play another show. Yeah. Right. And so, like, if you were gonna if you're gonna bust out of Lincoln, Nebraska, or Kansas City, or or wherever, and try to like at that time get your music out, you just you just had to be really good because y- you know you were either gonna drive eight or 12 hours and and make hopefully five fans and come back the next time and there'll be 15 fans or whatever or whatever if you're really awesome <laughs> right and if you suck it's just you're gonna you're gonna wither so i kinda like kind analogy. of like that analogy so survival on the, the east fiddos. coast
1: yeah on the east coast you only had to drive an hour or you drove 45 minutes so there's there's shittier bands Um, so it it weeded out the week. I'm joking. I'm joking. But like that, that six hour drive back when no one shows up, that drummer seems to, uh, like his girlfriend a little bit more now. Um, after
0: that drive back. Yeah.
2: Um, it's, yeah, it's brutal. Right. You know, and, and oftentimes, you know, you, you didn't make your gas money, right. You didn't get gas money, uh, or, or to cover your costs, but you made five new friends and, and they're like, Dude, you know, come back in two months. Blah blah blah, and it just like there was momentum, right? Mm-hmm. And and then and you just just continued to feed off of that, and I, and that's you know, that's how we became uh, great friends with the, the guys in Christie Front Drive, and um, you know, even like further away later, the uh, uh, on the East Coast, the Garden Variety guys, you know, mm-hmm. they they would hook us up with shows and. You know, it, it was just that that momentum that that flywheel just kept it going.
1: What do you love about that time, um, and what what would you wish you had today? Like, would you did you wish you maybe would have had a faster way to maybe get in touch with someone, or um, are, are you sort yeah, of happy?
2: GPS GPS on the phone would be would have been really nice. <laughs> I think a lot. Um, uh, yeah, and and just you know email just being able to like book a tour from your laptop for no cost would be really really great but (laughs) uh having the yelp reviews of the shitty clubs would be even better but uh i don't know like what what would it what would i want to have from today what do i miss how about what do you miss Maybe, I, don't, I don't know. Like, I was going to say um, the element of surprise. like I think so, so often now you're like, "Oh, the new band's coming to town and you're like, you know you can hit up their band camp or uh, see live stuff on YouTube or, or whatever." And whereas um, one thing that was really great, al- almost all the time was, you know, some band maybe you saw their review in maximum rock and roll or punk planet or whatever, and you got a description of it and you, then you got to see them live. and and that just, that sense of discovery was more, uh, I don't know, more just intense that, that way. Um, but that, you know, that's not to say it doesn't happen today. you like, even like a couple of weeks ago, I went, uh, I've been trying to go to see more live shows. Uh, I saw this band called The New Trust, and they'd been around for 10 years, but I'd never heard of them. And they're fucking awesome. They were like instantly my favorite band. I was like, I want to start a record label again so they can put out their records. <laughs> I love that. Um, but uh, it, it, you know, uh, you can still tap into that experience by just taking a chance and maybe with technology. You, you, can, you can preview too much and you don't get that sense of excitement. That's, that's what i I've I always loved.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you. Just going to those shows and that middle band that you had no idea and you just knew the name and you sat there for 20 minutes and ended up being your favorite band. Um, yeah. Uh, I definitely miss the the... I miss having my full attention to something. You know, I was at the show. I was in the moment. I was talking to people. I forget what it was like to have that, that time, that downtime in between a band or, I mean, I, I forgot what I did. Did I go to the merch table? Did I, did I go to the bathroom? Like, I don't know. Now all you do is look on your damn phone. So yeah. that moment. Of, I'm, I'm
2: totally guilty of it too, but, uh, Oh yeah, yeah totally. You, but it's like, I, I forget. Yeah. Uh, uh
1: I wish I, I wish I don't know if there was like a no-show zone or, or no phone zone uh, at like a show. Like you
2: had to put it in like a box
1: or something, and then you you got it back after the show. <laughs> like, well,
2: it's really funny because I I uh, sometimes I just I'm like now I'm like the middle-aged guy going to shows and and uh, like I'll just chat with people. I'll just turn around and like, hey, have you seen this band before? And they'll I'll get startled looks and it's like whoa. <laughs> I don't know you why are you talking to me it's like come on we're at a punk show or you know it's we're we're of the same people it's okay you can you can talk to me but anyways it's 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 kind of fun to just uh push the push those those boundaries or press those buttons with people but because it's yeah i don't know
1: I had someone I wouldn't as a, far as,
2: as as wanting to have the the no no phone zone, but uh, I think everybody should just like expand their horizon just a little bit. And, and
1: I think I'm going to start eat. doing that. Watch out, everybody! Next show, I'm just going to turn to the person behind me, and there's always someone behind me because I'm taller than you, so you're probably bummed at me anyway. Um, so I'm going to turn to the next person and say hi to him. I'm going to do that now, Bernie. Um, <laughs> I've made a difference in the world. <laughs> uh, Bring in. What, uh, do you remember uh, the first time you heard the word emo?
2: Uh, yeah, actually. I think it was when uh, uh, it, the, the term was coined in, in Thrasher magazine, right? Um, there was a review. This is how I remember it anyway. There was a review of Embrace in um some thrasher magazine music section and uh i forget who said it but he said it was emo core and uh so i i remember that and i was like weird <laughs> but uh this, so th- yeah that's that's exactly where i re- remember hearing it and then it would pop up a little bit you know in reviews for rights of spring or or whatever, and and it even got there was an early. I think there was a sideshow review, maybe in 1990, where I was kind of surprised that we got got this this tag. But I think it meant something different at that point than than what we consider to be like that genre. If you're talking about like the Promise Ring or.
1: When you mentioned earlier um, the term emo core, and you'd mentioned a band earlier that there was that moment of beautiful, but also chaos, and there's that balance between them, that's what I thought emo was um, uh-huh. when I was getting into it. If it was it was just that moment of you thought something was going to break, but it didn't. Um, uh-huh. It just seemed like that seemed to be where a lot of the analogies came from early on. Um Yeah. Were there other thoughts you had? Were was were people calling your label emo? Were you trying to not sign bands, or was it just that's what the sound was at the
2: time? Uh, I, to be honest, I, I really didn't. I really tried to avoid categorization as much as, much as possible. Um, I knew that you know there was like I was the biggest uber fan of, of anything discord records for sure. And so like, if my record label could emulate that in, in any way, I, you know, whatever you want to call it, it's fine, fine with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 but it didn't try to ever associate it with like emo more than like indie rock or cowpunk for that matter. Mm-hmm. Speaking of for the, the band Frontier Trust, who you know in in the sense of being a band who were maybe not beautiful but on the edge of self destructing, you know, <laughs> was if that's emo they were emo. <laughs> but yeah, I I, I don't know. It's maybe maybe it's a non answer, but I I I really didn't. Tr- I really tried to avoid thinking about it. To be honest.
1: That's smart. That's what I try to do when people talk about certain eras. I, I, to just, I just pretend it didn't happen. Um, didn't happen. (laughs) Uh, I was actually, someone had just messaged me on, um, earlier tonight on Instagram and they said the heart attack review of the anthology from Christy Front Drive. It said, this is what hardcore kids listen to while making love. And I was like, I want that as a T-shirt. Like, I want that
2: now. That's awesome. That's that would be a great T-shirt. We should get those guys to. I
1: will. I will email Eric and ask him if I can. Uh, if I can do that, yeah.
2: Perfect. And but you know, they're they're probably right. <laughs> it's probably accurate too, which is which makes it even better.
1: Um. The other thing too uh, that's interesting that's kind of now and and also back then vinyl, uh, obviously when I was working at some of the labels in maybe the mid two thousands you know we'd bring vinyl to a festival and kids thought it was a calendar. Um, now that's not the case. They there's there's a resurgence for it. It's nowhere near the levels that it was. Um, back when it was pretty normal to have it, what what are your sort of thoughts about these? You know, the pressing plants are at at full capacity, and you know they're they're buying them from uh, you know countries and and re- restoring them. Um, I mean, for you as a small label, back then you could get a seven inch done. I think if someone did that now, they'd have to wait, you know, six months yeah. or it's delayed. What are your thoughts about it?
2: Uh, yeah, I just I it must be such a headache to actually own a record label, and try to get some vinyl out there. Um, who, who knew? Right. Uh, I don't know. I think, I, I think it's cool. I think it's a uh, one thing, one thing that I'm guilty of is like this attention deficit. Now, like I rarely listen to music like a whole album through. Mm-hmm. So I'm usually on shuffle mode and I'm always like, surprise me, <laughs> you know, but I think if people maybe are, if the pendulum is swinging the other way and, and people are sort of discovering a way to listen to music that's more, more focused like that, especially, you know, on for, for an LP or at least a side, um, that's cool. i like, yeah, th- more, more power to them. I th- I'm sad that the LPs cost twenty bucks, but <laughs> <laughs> like I, I, I haven't had a record player in ten years. Actually, since I moved to the West Coast, and my my record collection, what's left of it, is still in Nebraska. So I've just been fully fully digital for the last ten years. But
1: is that your parents' um, house?
2: Uh, yes, I parted with a big chunk of records like six years ago or so paid off a credit card. So, you know, you got you do what you got to do.
1: Emo pays guys. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, and, uh, and then, so what are your, uh, I mean, my, my parents currently have, I think 2000 CDs of mine and they're constantly yeah. asking when you going to take them. Um, never. Um, uh, but I just have to keep them for the museum. But what, what yeah, about you? Exactly. Like, are you ever going to take them or are you ever going to find a spot for them?
2: Uh, No, I'll have to, I I think i pared down my record collection from, it must, I think it was like 1,200 LPs and maybe 807 inches or something like that Wow. to maybe 200 LPs and 57 inches. And it was, I, 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 you know, I kept the stuff that was sentimental to me, like my Joy Division records and my Minutemen records and my Fugazi records and my minor threat record. Actually, the the funny story is is that what's re, what remains of my record collection was at my stored at my sister's house, and she was renting the house out to uh, some people who were friendly and and they were actually you know playing my my records and that 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 wasn't a, a problem because she was friends with these people. But I went back to retrieve the record collection and and move it to my mom's house. <laughs> <laughs> and the one casualty was my uh minor threat two seven inches uh one uh the, the the 12 inch um that my mom like in 1984 like she she wrote a check to discord records for four dollars and you know sent i mailed out for a check and a week later I get this record in the mail and it was magical and wonderful. And anyways, the, the vinyl went missing. I, so I still have the cover, but.
1: Oh no. Vinyl's
2: vinyl's gone. It was a little heartbreaking, broken, but, uh, it's considering that everything else is, was like accounted for. Shit happens.
1: You can only hope (laughs) that someone is now straight edge from it. Like that's the only thing I would say.
2: (laughs) But, um, Anyway, uh, yeah, I'll eventually find a home for the the meager collection of records. (laughs) Hopefully, maybe we'll
1: see. We'll, we'll see if we can add another, another room on the house.
0: Well, it's, it's it's funny. (laughs)
1: I don't
2: know. Uh, just, just thinking about, I went through a phase where I was like, you know what? Like fetishizing these objects are like, I don't get it. like, I'd way rather listen to the music, maybe I was just justifying the fact that i was I could only listen to music on my iPod or whatever, but i don 't know maybe maybe I just need to bring bring back ten and get a record player and ease back into it in my old age,
1: yeah, or the thing i 've tried to do is the records that I have are things that i you can 't get online or uh, there's yeah. a it's a, that sort of connection where oh i can I can stream it i 'm fine, but then if it's on record, then I know that that's the only place. Um, yeah, that's, that's how I've done it. The, um, is there, is there a record, um, in the discography of Caulfield that you think if someone is looking through and, and maybe there's one that they won't pick up or or pick up, what's the sort of unsung hero, um, from the discography?
2: Good question. Um, I mentioned it earlier, but I, I really think the Opium Taylor one is just uh, something that undiscovered uh, that that people would would want to check out, um, or I'd encourage them to, just because it's so so different. And I listen to it occasionally; it, it still sounds fresh to my ears. So, so that's a good one. Um,
1: mine, what would, else? Mine, would yeah, what? MI, mine would be the M I. Mine would be the M I J record. Yeah, I really liked that. I remember getting it in college, and and just I don't. It was that just moment again where it was just it was it felt it felt open. Does does that make sense? Like Uh, it felt it felt like it
2: was opening something. Yeah. I'm curious. What were your impressions about that record and Jeff's voice? I loved it. I
1: just I felt it fit. It fit with everything else at that time. There wasn't a it wasn't it wasn't the same but i could play it on my radio i had a college radio show where i played all this stuff and it was um it just it 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 fit and i just i loved when you know a record it was like you know when when someone talks about someone but then they know everything i'm like god they 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 know this they <laughs> they get it <laughs> um that 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 was something that for me connected. that
2: that's a that's a great example of of a band where like uh, super solid songwriting and and musicianship, and then like just the take on the vocals was like wait, <laughs> you know what and 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 like i I actually had to pause and I was like wait do do I like this i think i like I really like this, you know, and like that kind of uh experience is is is, is again, what really drove, drove me for getting excited about music. So M.I.J., good choice.
1: Nice. And then ev- I think everyone needs to do the Christie front drive run. I mean, I'm sure the magic bullet re-releases are fine, but go to the, I think the in- anthology is still worth doing. Um, that's, that's another favorite giant's chair, of course. Um, yep. let and then Troluma. I don't think, I think very few people talk about them um, nowadays, yep. but th- uh, I thought again, they were sort of like. Um, the, I listened to Triluma the same time I was getting into Sweep the Leg Johnny. Do uh-huh. so you remember them? They totally, were, yep. Yeah, so that was around the same time. So they were, they, for some reason, I kind of put those in the same bucket.
2: Well, uh, you know, um, I was a big fan of Gage. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember uh, being at the fireside bowl and talking with Kevin uh Kevin Frank. As I just said, you're in a new band. Okay, I'll put out your records. Like I was just like <laughs> such a new or you know, let me put out your records, right? Uh I was just such a huge fan. I was like you, I, I can't can't go wrong with with this. Like I want to I want to be involved and uh he was like, "Okay." So, um so we put out a couple 7-inches and that that full length. Um so yeah cool that that's another another good one if you're into this and they and they kind of had this you were talking earlier about this midwestern vibe or or, or sound i think I think they had that going on in in spades and i think I think they did it really well I think it holds up
1: yeah um and then i guess for for you deciding to you know stop was it um was it was it your move? I, I'd read, I read an interview where it was, you know, because you weren't, you know, going out to shows and and, and connecting. And I kind of find I kind of loved that. Like it wasn't, you could have been getting demos in the mail, but you needed to see them, you needed to touch. And I think that's another sentiment that I miss. I miss, you know, I, I wish we had met five times before we talked on the phone. Um, yeah. You know, just this, yes, we have a common maybe uh, friends or we have common this, but it's, there's nothing like that. And I think you had to do it then. That's how you did it there. Yes, it was male maybe, but you needed to connect and there's that missing. Um. Was that, was that something that you still you feel I, today I, when you stopped?
2: Um. Yeah, I think, you know, when, when we s- When Caulfield, we, (laughs) um, stopped putting out records. Uh, it, it was, you're right. It was exactly because I was not, I was going to shows less. I wasn't in a band that was on tour and meeting new people. And, and for me, like it was just kind of an, like a, a really organic process. Um, uh, I didn't I didn't have that. I wasn't I didn't have that spark, right, of of like becoming this uber fan of this band and then just needing to be involved or wanting to be their advocate. Um, just sort of like faded out. And so in the, the last few releases, um, actually the last official release was a Germbox anthology CD. Um, which was kind of a fun way, but like, it kind of intentionally to kind of mm-hmm. bring it, bring it back uh, for full circle. But, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, never really had the intention of, of wanting to run a record label. <laughs> like, uh, not to say that I'm unhappy that with how things panned out, because I, like, I feel super grateful that I got to work with and for some of the bands that I'm the hugest fan of. Uh, so that was a, a huge uh, opportunity, a huge a, a privilege, really. Um, and then I just, you know, I didn't want, you know, we got tons of demo tapes. We, Caulfield got tons of demo tapes, and I just never wanted, I never felt connected. It's like, sifting through demo tapes and looking for a new band through that medium, just, it didn't excite me. And so in the end, it it just seemed like a time to just kind of close up shop and, and call it good.
1: Yeah. What have you been doing since, or, uh, it, oh, has there been, uh, when you said you, you know, moved that west? What, what are, uh, what have you been up to that you've been kind of exciting, anything still with music or has it been, uh, uh, Strictly, unfortunately, uh,
2: just no or unfortunately, no music. I I would love to play music. I almost joined a band uh, and uh, via like some Craigslist connection, you know, there was something like uh, what were the the band references? Jawbreaker, Fugazi, Drive Like Jehu. I was like, yeah, let's do it, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be like, I, I forget what the deal is. They needed a bass player or, or something. You know what? What would be so much fun would be like, "Hey Bernie, learn these eight songs. The show's on Saturday. Let's do it." Not <laughs> like, I would love. I would, so anybody in the Bay Area, if you're gotta need a bass player and your show's on Saturday, just let me know. <laughs> um, but, watch out! Watch out! You're gonna get a call. <laughs> um, I, no, I, I really miss um, playing music and. As a funny kind of uh, aside, Craig from Colia just moved out west to the Bay Area, and who knows? Maybe we could. Maybe we'll be able to drum something up. I like that. And uh, then, but but what what I have been doing um, more of is I've been doing more photography. Um, like I said earlier, I moved to California straight out of high school to work on a skateboard magazine. Doing photography and I, that's always been a big part, like sort of outside of music, something that I've done, either like skateboard photography, art photography, live music photography. So, I've been going to see a lot more live music and shooting photos and and discovering new bands that way. And so that's been kind of a fun way to kind of reconnect with you know the the music world. Have you um, thought
1: about? compiling them into a a book or some sort of series or showing
2: yeah actually i'm going through the archives um and uh there's tentative plans by the sometime before the end of the year to have a gallery show in in san francisco of um a bunch of the the archival photos like some great photos of de kreutzen or uh Fugazi. I do have some good Fugazi photos that I'm really excited about. Oh, right. Anyways, and uh n- new stuff. Like I went to see the Damned last week and I got a great photo of Captain Sensible and I'll put that there. So anyways, it's been a fun way to like reconnect with music and 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 get excited about music. I mean outside of
1: yeah you I mean you said that you, you you saw the new trust like are there things that you're listening to now are there any bands from the indie punk or uh hardcore scene that you're you, know, you maybe heard about or listening to
2: um I'm I've been really terrible about finding new music um the new trust was a, like a great discovery for me um there was a band uh, that played last night that I thought um, that I mi- I d- missed uh, a band called All Dogs. It's kind of like a kind of a pop, like poppy. How to say? It? Remember, like Velocity Girl mm-hmm. on uh, sub so pop. It's kind of more that that vibe. But I, I, again, like my musical tastes are all over the map, so I could uh, different different stuff gets me. Super excited! So they they were good. I'll try to find them the next time they come through town. Nice. Uh, gonna, I, I'm going to go see this band called Mineral on Friday.
1: I've never heard um, of them. Tell me about. Yeah, them. The,
2: uh, <laughs> kids
1: really like them.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, so they're 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 coming through with Hum, and so that will be great. It'll be great to connect with those guys again. Are you
1: are you going to take photos?
2: You know, uh, I, I I don't think I will. Um, just because it will be too hectic.
1: <laughs> I'll pay you. I'm
2: just kidding. Well, maybe. <laughs> I <laughs> actually would. I actually expect- would. I actually would pay you
1: um, <laughs> for amazing right. mineral photos. We'll take this offline. Fantastic. I will get my credit card ready. Um, okay. Is there a, I think, I think a really rad way to end this is because I think it, it, someone might be listening to this that wants to start a label or wants to uh, do this. And I think uh, you've had such an interesting conversation. Um, you know travels and i would almost want to have a podcast just about your eight months in la um out of of high school because that would i would probably shit my pants um but what what would be that what would you say to someone that saw a band that that felt that spark or felt something different what's that one piece of advice or what, what would you say to act on that
2: wow um One piece of advice, like I, the 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 advice would be, act on that, right? It's and it's like in whatever way, in whatever capacity that you you can, right? If you're a photographer, like if if take take some great photos and share it with the band so that they can use it on social media, or if you're a video editor, like help them make a video or you know I, I or if start a start a zine right uh do 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 something fun to support the music that inspires you um, I don't know if, if if starting a record label like as they are currently or formerly known as like it's just like I wouldn't recommend that, <laughs> but for a variety of reasons but yeah just like act on that inspiration and uh, and and have fun with it and be creative
1: yeah and I would just add if anyone's you know I think that was fantastic also too don't listen to anybody um, if it's just yourself telling you to do it go and do it uh, I don't don't care if the the, the the cool punk guy in your scene um, doesn't approve of it doesn't matter
2: keep keep doing it um, that's right If 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 you're inspired, like just go with it. So,
1: because if I listened to anyone in my high school, I would have a Fish cover band. Thank God I didn't listen.
2: That would have been bad. Well, thank, 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 uh, thank the heavens. <laughs> uh, well, Bernie, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, it's been fun. I've, I've, I've really enjoyed it.